This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in your podcast app. Yeah, so the less morbid uh, uh, procedure, alternative, uh, less morbid alternative surgery radiation. So I'll be going over the basic principle of it and ideal patient for focal therapy, the current guideline outcomes and then uh, future directions. As you, uh, as previously mentioned, uh, Matt and others have mentioned that uh, prostate cancer is a spectrum of disease and it ranges from low to very high risk cancer. And uh, at UCSF, we believe that the treatment should match the extent of the disease and the patient. So uh, uh, focal therapy has a space in this spectrum, uh, particularly between low and intermediate risk disease. I think in the future, we may offer to, uh, in the case of relapse and metastatic setting. Now, improvement in uh, cancer localization and risk assessment have resulted in a more uh, wider adoption of focal therapy across the United States. Focal therapy has been around for 20 years, uh, but because of our uh, because of the, our inability to, to target these, these areas accurately, uh, that's why it hasn't been widely adopted. But now uh, it is more common because of the advanced technology. So focal therapy is treating a section or a focus area of the prostate to minimize the side effects. So uh, often, as you uh, know, treating the whole gland has issue with urinary uh, function and sexual function, whereas treating a focus area or section of the prostate, and you maintain your sexual function, uh, including ejaculatory volume, you maintain your urination function as well. Um, so that could be very attractive to men in a certain risk spectrum. So the whole premise of uh, our focal therapy is that if we uh, target the dominant tumor, the, the problem tumor, that we can really minimize the side effects. So this is a paper published many years ago, looking at lineage tracing of a cancer that has spread throughout the body. So looking at the copy number analysis of, of genes throughout the uh, metastasis, they can actually trace it back to one clone in a prostate. Now prostate cancer, 70% or higher of those men will have multifocal disease, but the dominant tumor may be the responsible one. So, uh, if we can accurately identify the clone or the metastatic clone within that prostate and target it precisely, then we don't have to treat the whole gland and prevent metastases and death. So that's the, 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 whole, uh, the whole premise. And research at UCSF, led by Dr. Carroll, have also uh, on um, shine a little bit more light on this. This is a study of over a thousand men on active surveillance, and most of these men have multiple biopsies throughout. So you can see here, most of the progression occur in the area of the dominant tumor. So if they are a candidate for focal ablation at the first biopsy, they remain so even after four or five biopsies as, as, they, uh, as we survey their, their, their cancer throughout the, the five years or the 10 years period. So who are the ideal candidate for focal therapy? It has to be localized intermediate risk cancer. Those are the patients with Gleason 7 cancer. And also in carefully selected Gleason 6 cancer or sometimes unfavorable intermediate, uh, intermediate disease. 
Now, the tumor location is important. It has to be away from the urethra and the rectum. And also the patients have to agree to lifelong surveillance. So uh, I often tell the patient, this is not a cure, it's to ablate the main dominant tumor. So you, they have to still go on uh, surveillance after. <clears throat> so there's multiple ways we can ablate the tumor. There's a focal and there's, we can uh, target the quadrant or sometimes hemiablation will ablate half of the prostate. Or we can use a hockey stick approach if these are the location of the tumor. Um, and the patient selection, so most of the patients that I offer this to uh, must have an MI fusion biopsy to make sure we don't miss any other cancer. Uh, Sometimes uh, I order a PSMA PET scan for staging. Uh, the tumor location is, is often uh, how we pick the certain type of energy to ablate the cancer. And also I require all patients to have a rectal exam and an ultrasound exam to see if they have calcification, for instance, in the prostate. This would interfere with, with uh, ultrasound. You know, the calcification will, will deflect off the sound. Uh, so those and rectal stenosis, that kind of thing, we going through the rectum. So those are the, uh, the selection of the patient. Now, how do we do it? There's multiple ways we use uh, a different energy source to target the cancer. One is argon gas or to freeze it, we can use uh, uh, brachytherapy or the, uh, the uh, radiance, the radiation seat to put it in there. And also transrectally, we can uh, use ultrasound to ablate the cancer. So it depends on the location. If you have an anterior tumor, typically I would uh, favor a fo uh, focal cryotherapy. Posterior tumor near the rectum, then ultrasound would be a better approach to, to reach that tumor. Um, so there's now a uh, laser that we can use. Uh, you actually in, uh, laser right into the tumor and apply heat there. And there's also uh, focal irreversible electroporation. This is using electrode to put around the tumor and deliver electric shock to it uh, to get uh, to destroy the, the, the tumor. Focal therapy, focal uh, brachytherapy, cryotherapy, and also uh, uh, using TOSA, this is to apply ultrasound through the urethra. So in cases, in cases where patient has a large median lobe or uh, a lot of symptom from benign enlargement, we can use that to to tackle the the uh, the, uh, the transition zone also. So the uh, the uh, for focal therapy at UCSF, we focus on uh, ultrasound and cryotherapy. Cryotherapy has been around for many years now. We recently started a high food program uh, last year, and this is done through the uh, robotic approach, where your patient uh, have to go under general anesthetic. We would use an MRI. Uh, to guide ablation, so we uh, target uh, uh, using the MI and the ultrasound, and then we plan for the, the planning. The, the, the whole thing takes about an hour or so. So uh, the focus ultrasound really apply heat to the tissue. Each of the uh, sections is about 1.7 millimeter each time we ablate them. And you can see there's a drop, steep drop up in temperature around it, so that way we can minimize the, the uh, effect uh, around it. So this is an actual ablation planning that uh, I've done. This is a, a, a fusion of a MRI with the ultrasound. So you can uh, see the tumor right into the 3D image here. 
is a tumor. Here's a plant. Typically, I would ablate about seven to five centi- uh, millimeter beyond the tumor to, uh, to get an adequate margin. And uh, this is actual ablation that's going on. So uh, 30, you know, this is what the tissue looks like. 24 hours later, the, the tissue is heated up to 85 to 95 degrees Celsius, and it is destroyed by a necrosis. Three months later, you'll be, uh, that tissue is replaced by, by fibrous tissue. Uh, so the current guideline, so the NCCN guideline, uh, stated that hyphen cryotherapy is an option for radio recurrent prostate cancer, but they have not recommended as a primary uh, therapy yet for, for localized disease. The AUA guideline, based on expert opinion, mentioned that focal ablation may be considered in selected uh, patient, an appropriately informed patient, and we should inform the patient that there's lack of high-quality data comparing the outcome with surgery or radiation. EUA guideline uh, uh, said the high-full cryotherapy is uh, to be used only in a clinical trial setting. The German guidelines uh, approve it for low risk, but not for high risk cancer. Now, uh, there's several ways that uh, focal therapy can fail. So this is the uh, slide I often show a patient when I counsel them uh, when we offer this to them. So how uh, can uh, focal therapy fail? So one uh, is inadequate heat, inadequate heat to a tumor. So a tumor uh, that you have recurrent within the, the area of treatment. And then inadequate margin. We try to lay five to seven millimeter uh, outside of the tumor, but there's uh, more extension beyond that. We will have residual disease in the area where we treat. And then there's this fuel effect where other part of the prostate that is not treated, you can have new cancer or you have a progression of a six, recent six to recent seven. And then inadequate staging. If a patient have metastatic disease or at the time of diagnosis and we don't know about it and we offer this, then we would miss the chance of, uh, of uh, uh, adequately treat that patient. So uh, at UCSF, uh, focal therapy has been around for many years, led by Dr. Shinohara. This is an uh, uh, outcome of uh, 95 patients I have done over the years. And with this is a median follow-up for failure, free survival was 96 at two years follow-up. Three patients has metastases. Now, the three patients that has metastases, when they uh, re-biopsy, there's, there's no cancer to prostate. But the patient had metastasis. This is because the patient presented with metastasis in the first place, I think. And um, one patient has a salvage prostatectomy five underwent radiation. There's a, a slight decline in their sexual function over time. There's no changes in their urinary function. Uh, so this is another study in the United States, published uh, recently in Lancet Oncology, showing uh, uh, focal therapy using uh, MI guided of 100 men. You can see a 24-month follow-up, 88% has no recurrent uh, cancer that is significant. Um, now, in terms of functional outcome in that study, uh, there is uh, a slight decrease in, in uh, erection from 100 to 90% over the study period. There's no patient with stress urinary incontinent required use of PAD only one patient has a grade three adverse event, that is a urinary tract infection. 
one patient had a stricture that resolved with a single dilation. Now, if you look at a long-term follow-up, this is 500 patients, 600 patients with five years follow-up. At five years, uh, 88% has no recurrent, and uh, 98% has no metastases. 100% is still alive after focal ablation. 2% has urinary incontinence that required the use of one path. Bowel complication was rare, only 0.3%. If you look at a longer follow-up, this is a 15 years follow-up in Europe of more than 1,000 men. Uh, 132 men underwent salvage out of 1,000 men. 132 men undergo salvage whole gland L systematic treatment. Three patients developed metastases, one of whom died from prostate cancer. A seven years follow-up, 68% has no recurrent uh, and uh, for the high risk, uh, for intermediate risk and high risk patient, uh, at seven years, 65% has no risk of uh, recurrent. And no one died from the cancer at seven years and no one has metastases. So the oncologic outcome is, is very promising at uh, longer term follow-up. Now this is a 20 years follow-up of uh, 21-year follow-up after uh, 674 patients undergoing whole gland ablation. As you see here, patients who had low or intermediate risk disease who opted for focal, for uh, high food. Uh, if you look here, cancer-specific survival is very good at 95% and 89% at 21 years follow-up. For high-risk disease, it's 65%. So we don't favor uh, uh, this approach for high-risk disease. Patient. So I think uh, for future, new research is needed to improve recurrent rate. Currently at five years, 20% recurrent rate, I think is too high. I, I think we need to do more research to improve that. And I think using advanced technology will improve it uh, in terms of selecting the appropriate patient for it. The use of genomic and PSMA PET, uh, uh, I think in the future will be used uh, more widely to better select patient for this and the use of MI, uh, PSMA PET uh, to guide ablation. I think this will be the future here. Uh, the also adjuvant and new adjuvant setting, the role of immunotherapy with the combination of focal therapy. I think uh, that could be uh, uh, an area of research in the future. So um, uh, for uh, what about an active surveillance? Uh, you've heard a lot about patients with active surveillance. So uh, focal therapy could be an option for the patient who do, who do not have access to active surveillance or want to decrease the cost and the mobility of repeated biopsies and PSA check every three months and so on. So there could be, we may be offering this to, to select a patient with uh, low risk disease. A patient who, are, who has germline mutations, so high risk, high grade or adverse pathology, uh, and so, or at the time of progression. Um, uh, give me, uh, I'll give you an example of, of how we use the latest technology to help uh, decrease uh, risk of recurrent. So this is a patient who has, uh, is a 78 year old gentleman diagnosed with Gleason uh, uh, 7 cancer. Uh, for three PSA of 11. So on the MRI, uh, there's two areas. There's a PIRAT5 here at the base, anterior base, and there's a PIRAT4 at the left base. Now, this was biopsy. This area turned out to be negative for cancer. Here is a PET, PSMA PET scan showing 
at the base, the, the, the area there, there's no cancer there. Now, uh, there is a cancer here that is detected. This is four plus three. You can he see here is the, the left side, uh, left mid clan. So the, we offer uh, focal therapy for this patient because it is, looks like this cancer is only detected only on the left apex, left mid so and left base. So we would ablate, uh, ablate the whole left gland. However, uh, I got a PET scan, a PSMA PET scan prior to uh, the ablation. And you can see this is uh, there's an additional foci uh, cancer at the anterior apex. This will be too close to the urethra. Uh, imagine if I will take this patient and ablate half of his prostate. You still have residual disease here. So this patient, I told them, you know, we uh, would not be an ideal candidate because of this PSMA PET that show a cancer at the APEC that was not visible on the MRI or the ultrasound. Now, in the past, we would take this patient to get focal therapy. We would have a recurrent. Uh, so that's how uh, we use PET imaging. Here's a patient where you have detected a lymph node metastasis uh, for Gleason 7, rare, but it can happen. This is another patient who has uh, additional foci of cancer that was not detected on biopsy. So these are uh, ways that at UCSF that we've been using. And also, uh, we're also using these genetic uh, markers, let's like our patient. Patient who has higher genomic risk uh, that is in the high risk group, I don't offer a focal therapy to. So um, for the take-home message, I think focal therapy fills an existing gap between active surveillance and whole gland therapy, surgery, radiation. And it is associated with minimal side effects. Study after study have shown this, the, up to your know, 80%, 90% of the patient maintain the sexual function after. Your, uh, is, is the stress and content is, is extremely low. There is promising oncologic data after uh, 15 and 20 years follow, and new research is needed to reduce recurrent risk. And ultimately, the success of focal therapy depends on the patient selection, uh, lifelong surveillance the patient has to agree to. And also, we need to use high-quality MRIs and targeted biopsies and perhaps the use of genomic and the PSMA PET to select this patient for this therapy. So I'd like to end with an acknowledgement with, uh, for Dr. Carroll. He's the one that told me to, to uh, revamp our focal therapy program two years ago, and now he refer a lot of patients to us for focal therapy. We've done uh, over the last year, uh, 100 patients now. Uh, and Dr. Shinohara has been uh, the, the champion of focal therapy for many, many years. Dr. Kasuto is the one that got us the high food machine and the rest, the rest of my colleague in the department. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.com.